You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the Afterlife. I'm here with uh, with my friend Michael Addis. Howdy. Now, uh, a lot of the people I have on the podcast are comics, and yeah. you're not a comic, but you're no. definitely in the world of comedy and the world of stand-up comics, which is how I know you because you made an awesome documentary, which people should definitely check out. Where it's called Heckler, and where is it streaming? Well, it's on Amazon Prime. And I just noticed, because I, I went to Amazon Prime to check it out, I just noticed it now has the Miramax logo in front of it. Somehow really? they bought it. Yeah, and, Harvey Weinstein bought your... <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, 10 years ago, I'd been like, oh my God, we're a Miramax movie now. It's like, oh. So you didn't even know that? No, I didn't. I did. It just happened. It was just some... Somebody <laughs> bought it, then somebody else bought it, and then Miramax bought oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, so Heckler, if those who haven't seen it, and I think it's kind of a hidden gem. Like, everyone who's seen it has had really visceral... Like, I talked to Jeremy Piven about it. Oh, did he like he it? And he said he couldn't finish it because it made him so uncomfortable, which, oh, is, really? which is a good That's thing. That's good. Yeah, I like So, that. the idea of it, and like, tell me if this is right. So, Jamie Kennedy, <laughs> yeah. it features Jamie Kennedy. And I was. this is when I first started touring with Jamie in like 2005 yeah. or six. Yeah, I remember seven. you from back then. And, and um, I, I told you the other day, you just gets better and better every year. Yeah, and actually, it. I you did interview me. I think as a sympathy thing, you interviewed me for the for oh. the movie, and I wasn't on it. And you never got it. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> it's okay. But um, what if this whole podcast is just about what a dick hey, I listen, am? Listen, motherfucker, <laughs> to cut you out. So, uh, <laughs> and Jamie and I've known Jamie for a long time. I love Jamie, and he was because he did Son of the Mask. He's yeah, following yeah. the footsteps of, of Jim Carrey's legendary performance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was already setting himself up for being destroyed. And so I think the jumping off point of that that movie was basically like, here's a guy who's going to try to fill the role, the shoes of, of Jim Carrey in this iconic role. This is going to be fun to watch what happens. So right. What was it? I mean, you tell me. Cause no, I that's, almost ex- that's almost exactly right. What happened was I wanted to do, uh, I talked to Jamie about another movie and then he said, I'm doing a concert special. I go, oh, that'd be cool. Let's go on the road and tape some of it and all that. So I did this concert special for him. And, and then concurrently, we went on the road and we were taping something or doing something that I thought would be a little more interesting, which was uh, we wanted to see if he'd get heckled and deal with hecklers. But at the same time, I was like doing research when we were on the road and finding that there were uh, critics in like every city we went to and a lot of critics had trashed him, you know? So yeah. I said, let's invite those critics to talk to you after the show, right? And so we got all these critics to come over uh, and chat with Jamie and I would like write down the highlights of their review, which sometimes were like terrible. Like, I think w- one of the review uh, critics called him a rape baby. Is that right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Well, their critics were saying like his mother's uterus should be sewn shut and it was just he, he, all sorts of terrible things about him. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Uh, rape baby, maybe. I, I think Jamie, um, one of the good things about Jamie as yeah. a performer and a stand up is when he is being heckled. Yeah. And when people are, he loves uncomfortable moments. Yeah, he yeah, kind of loves to thrive in it and yeah. sit in the awkwardness of it. Yeah, it's great. Um, sometimes I, I don't know where it's going <laughs> to 
yeah. end up because yeah. he'll just stand there in the pocket and go, okay, I'm sorry, why did why would you say that to someone and have like an actual conversation right. from the stage with someone who's like, you suck, you're not funny. And yeah. what do you do? Which is pretty ballsy. Yeah, yeah. And for him to actually go and interview critics oh, who said yeah. awful things about him is a pretty ballsy move. And it's also sort of yeah. like a fantasy that I think a lot of actors and comics have to confront their critics. Yeah. And I haven't seen that done before. So uh, yeah. Well, it was, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen it done before either, but we definitely, there was jump off points of uncomfortable comedy. You know, pl- you know, people like the original office was just all about uh, uncomfortable comedy. And uh, so we were like, how uncomfortable can we make this? And there was like one time where Jamie's like, Addis, what are you putting me through? You know, because it was just like one uncomfortable moment after another. And I was just like, this is gold. This is just going to be so much fun. What? Yeah. One day he had a critic who, who told him, like, he would say to the critic, you know, why are you trying to ruin my life? And they'd go, well, I'm not trying. I'm just trying to inform people. But this guy said, yeah, I am trying to ruin your life. Like he was really unrepentant and and just didn't wanted Jamie to be unhappy and it was just the most awkward conversation <laughs> I think we cut it out but there was I was a, gonna say was there stuff that you that yeah yeah was there was one moment too that bad got, you had to cut out yeah there was one moment it got super awkward like that, that was the wor- worst and um I think he said to uh uh the, the guy the critic's girlfriend was there and she was like trying to shut it down and Jamie asked if even his cum tastes bitter, <laughs> you know, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. And 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 it was just got worse and worse, and he was just making Jamie feel bad, and it was just, uh, it was really, I was I was loving it. I was just, yeah, going, this is course. this it's is great. great. It's entertainment. TV. You're great entertainment. Yeah. There was one interview that a critic had with him, and he said, uh, he said, I would suggest that you wouldn't have said I was. Basically, I think I'm. I think the phrase was "rape it, baby" mm-hmm. in Max Keebler's big movie. If you'd ever gotten a really good blowjob, and he called, oh, it, a slunky, a slunky. Yeah, he goes, if you had re- the guy in Vegas, I think he's. <laughs> And then he like showed him what a slunky was because the guy's like, I, I really don't, I don't understand what, what is that phrase slunky? And he's like, <laughs> you know, it's like a girl's just going down on you and she's really going for it. He's like, <laughs> you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> and um, the guy was like, oh yes, I, I've done pretty well in my time, <laughs> you know, but, but he wouldn't admit whether he had a slunky or not. <laughs> yeah. I think he said something He's like, are you suggesting that I wouldn't have called you this if I had slunky? Oh, right. And Jamie's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, yeah. that's pretty much what I'm saying. If you slunky, you would probably have written a nicer review. Which is an interesting makes point. makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people, and this ties to a lot of stuff going on right now in culture. Because a lot of people are, are coming at things from a real point of anger mm-hmm. and fear and insecurity in such a way that feels so incredibly misplaced. Mm-hmm. And I know that when you say the phrase cancel culture, people already go, oh, how dare he even address cancel? Like some people are yeah, saying- I mean, it's, it's, all, it's loaded, right? It's like just Bigfoot. It's not a real thing. There's no such thing as cancel culture. There's just people who need to be outed and they need to take responsibility for stuff. But it's obviously, it's been very slippery slopey. And now, I mean, now that Hamilton has been brought up to be canceled and stuff, it, it, it gets to the point what where- What did I, Hamilton do wrong? What Hamilton did wrong, well, there are a Too few many things. white people or- well, first of all, they're saying that Hamilton was a slave trader uh-huh, okay. and that uh, obviously George Washington owned slaves and Jefferson yeah. owned slaves. So these people shouldn't be celebrated. I mean, they're literally literally high school girls on Twitter saying, 
look, Hamilton's good. Yeah, the founding fathers were just bad, evil men, but this is entertainment. I'm like, why are you fucking deigning what is right or wrong? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second, because I find this fascinating. Because, um, okay, so if you were a teenage girl in 17, anywhere between 1776 and 1800, you were into slaves too. Like, like yeah. they act as if they're above and beyond because they're woke, but they're because they happen to be living in 2020. Yes, of but course. if they were. Back then, they would be like, oh, the slaves are not taking care of my room. And that. I know, and I know. Right. It's, well, it's a shame that people can't look at things with any context anymore. No. I mean, obviously, no. everyone now, any sentient, remotely moral human being knows that slavery is an awful yeah, I mean, mechanism. Right. That's the interest. Well, American slavery, even worse than other kinds of slavery. Like, yeah. you were born into it, and your children were born into it. Yeah. And you were... Uh, God, I was just reading something today about this girl who, I guess they were like, a, a slave would be like 1400 bucks, which today would be like 30000 But it was yeah. like they all kind of knew their price, and it was, and that wasn't even the worst of it. But, it. but if you read enough about slavery, it's like, oh my God, the idea that human beings would be okay with that is insane. Yeah, and it was- It's what- awful. It was oh, what? wait, and, and on one other thing. Okay, so uh, the numbers are fascinate me. So uh, taken out of Africa through the Middle Passage, I think it was like about 12 million slaves. And 10 million made it. So about 2 million died from this shit, right? Yeah. And here's the really crazy part. How many, what percentage of those slaves do you think got to America, came to the United States? From Africa. Yeah. Of the 12 million. Uh, you don't have, just a percentage, but yeah, of the twelve of the ten million, because two million died. Yeah, um, they got to America. I yeah. mean, and because there were other places that had bought slaves. Where I, I don't Brazil, know. Brazil, um, yeah. all of South Europe. America, basically, and yeah, Caribbean, uh, okay. Car- Caribbean, Brazil, and Caribbean were like two of the biggies. Okay, I would say eighty percent. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, uh, it's between three and five percent. What? Yes. Look it up. It's between, th- America got between three and 5%. They went all over the world in a lot of different places. So my point is, is that we Americans are, we were pieces of shit for sure. Yeah. But other people are too. Like yeah. there's plenty of shitty people all over this great world that yeah. we live in. Well, the, the interesting thing that's happening now is that there's this belief I don't know why it's, you know, that America is evil and everything about America. And we are evil, is, yes, but there's but other places guess what, that are evil. Guess yeah. what else is evil? Every <laughs> Everybody else. Right? Humanity yeah. is fucking evil. Yeah, yeah. And White, brown people, everything. Yeah, and I think it's very funny that Terry Crews got sort of like crucified for saying that there are some good white people and there's some bad black people. And I that didn't we should, understand why that was controversial. I, I saw a little bit of him on Don Lemon. What was the problem? I think the problem is, again, it's context. Like, I think right now is not the time to make that stand. Now is the time for every grievance to be heard and to be listened and be respected. Yeah. And then from there, then policy can be made, decisions can be made, and people can, like, examine what they're doing wrong or what's shitty about certain policies. But I, I, my brother is a, a, one of the foremost scholars on the linguistics of war. Oh, and in uh, in America, and he's so he's about as liberal as you can get, mm-hmm. and um, he just thinks that every statue should come down, everything needs to be, because it's it's important to kind of like hit a hard reboot on America, 
And I think there's there's truth of that and there's mileage to that. But then again, like, where does it stop? Does does it have to stop? Do we need to do a hard reset? Or well, is it, is have it you to- have you looked at some of the statues that came down recently? I know. I mean, someone just told me that the, such a, such Frederick, a Frederick Douglass. Douglass yeah, he came went. Down, that was weird. I, I don't right. understand if if they're saying Frederick Douglass needs to come down yeah, because he wanted to matriculate black culture into white culture, and that was a problem. I, I don't know. I don't know what the reason was for it. Yeah, I, I saw some of them, and like I looked up this one guy, Albert Pike. I think it was was one of the guys who came down, and it was like. What a shithead. He was like, he was a confederate, he wasn't even a general. He was like a confederate soldier and not even a good one. Member of the KKK and a poet. Yeah. Like, what a shitty poet he must have been, you know, <laughs> you know like talking about this KKK stuff. It just doesn't sound like. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that I think is great. And one thing that I think is great about, it, there is something that is sort of partisan blind about the uh, the statues because let's be honest a lot of the confederates were democrats and a lot of the racists were democrats a lot of people who were attached to kkk were de- like yeah, but woodrow back then wilson. it kind of flipped there was a flip but like yeah. woodrow wilson was yeah you know he was a, a democrat and he was a piece of shit and i'm glad that princeton my alma alma mater you know they've changed woodrow wilson's school of politics i mean i oh, think there's some right, stuff yeah. that's like it's not a big deal. It's no skin off anyone's back to change the name of the the political school from Woodrow Wilson. But I also gotta think, redecorate every once in a while. Yeah. So I think that's I think it's all good. Now, yeah. uh, I also think that cancel culture is interesting for for comedy, right? Because as yeah. a comic, I used to think that being a comic and being on stage was the last bastion of free speech. This is where you could say anything, and anything you want to say mm-hmm. on stage was in a way. Sacrosanct because you're going for a joke. So if it gets a laugh, I mean, short of like Michael Richards, who who had a full on emotional breakdown at the laugh. Well, I, we actually for Heckler, we interviewed like two different. We we did interviewed two different guys. I have a funny story about that. We interviewed two two different uh, black comics and said, "What do you think about Michael Richards?" And their angle was like, "It's fine if he used the N word, but he better have a good joke to back yes. it up." And he just didn't. He just didn't craft anything well. Yeah. But but he was trying to do something edgy and interesting and uh i think it was arsenio hall was like yeah go for it but you know make it good i think that's also changed because i think there used to be a feeling that if you were a white comic and you had good enough joke where you could say the n-word then it was like okay this is a good joke yeah, but now I don't now think it's. Yeah. I don't think any. I don't think no, even right. like Neil Brennan can even say it, or, or no. Louis C.K. So even I it, did watch his special. You told me to watch it. I watched it. Who? Oh, Louis C.K. special. Yeah, it was good. Mostly good. Mostly good. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting about him is he's someone who's who was canceled. Yeah, and he's kind of slowly trying to get back into the fold, some fold, his own, whatever it is. Well, I mean, he's sort of like Joe Rogan. He's making himself uncancelable. Uncancelable. Yes, like. You, I just I bought his special from him, you know, yes. like it wasn't a corporation, it wasn't Netflix, it yes. was, which is the big thing is like people are pressuring corporations and saying you've got that's what they're saying is I don't think you as a corporation should embrace this guy and if you do we're gonna try to take you down. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of corporations are just saying well we just don't want to handle it, uh, I deal know. with it. I had to fire a host comic for because the corporation's like we dug into his uh, 
what, yeah. what happened without name names what was the situation uh we were doing a pilot and uh the, it was it was the mother company was nbc universal and they were just like we found some really nasty tweets and the tweets were really just like wasn't that bad it was like Trump is a piece of shit and I hope he dies. But it was like, it's still hoping he dies was the part they said, no, 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 no. Wow, I thought that. that anything you said against Trump was sort of like fair game at this point. Yeah, you'd think so, but it, there is a limit and maybe we don't all see the limit, but I did because yeah. the corporation was like, don't want to take the chance. Yeah, it's really interesting. So we replaced Because him. I have a lot of stuff. And he was a great comic. I'm and sure. a great guy. And I felt horrible, but... And he knows why he got fired. Oh yeah, right? yeah. I, t- I told him myself. I said, "This is the thing," you know. Oh wow, that's crazy. It was it was really ugly. It was uncomfortable because I mean he was cool about it, but it was still like it felt it felt like I was going against the you know what is right about comedy. But at the same time, like you were saying something about comedy being sacrosanct, I I don't think it's a hundred percent sacrosanct. Like I think that like you can't hide behind. There is such a thing as bad comedy. Sure. And um and, and when I say bad, I mean like you know that Jim Crow was a comedy bit. Like it was started as a comedy bit. It was like yeah, what I do mean, you mean look it up. Well Jim Crow was like, oh, black people are stupid and uneducated. Ha ha ha. Wait, Jim Crow was an actual guy? No, it was a it was a it was a character. Okay. And so the character of Jim Crow was I don't want to do the voice, of course. Yeah. But like he was a dumb black former slave or slave i forgot what but it was like he was just dumb and uneducated and they would and the joke was look at how dumb and uneducated he is so it's really an ugly piece of comedy yeah and and um it was it to me was an example of like yeah you could make a joke that just doesn't have any value at all other than making dumb people laugh and and by the way i'm absolutely guilty of saying jokes that i go this will have an effect those will get this this group of rednecks will laugh at this. Yeah. It, in in my heart, I don't think I've ever said I've never felt evil or, or darkness when I'm saying jokes. But right, I, I you know I had a I had a bit very recently where I would say I talked about being on a date and I've mentioned this on podcasts before with a, with a vegan. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's just, <laughs> she was correcting all my language and it really right. happened. <laughs> and I said. Uh, I said retard or something. She was like, oh yeah, my yeah. God. You and, and even saying it now, I feel a little bit like, <gasps> yeah. And she said, oh my God, you, you can't. Oh, no, no. I, I said, I said, girl. She was, you can't Instead call of girl. Woman? It's got to be woman. Yeah, yeah. I said, I can't say girl. Well, that's fucking retarded. And so the audience laughs. And I go, <laughs> I go, that's right. You can't say retard. You have to say Trump supporter. So Funny. I'm kind of splitting the baby there because yeah. I want to appease right. the people who hate Trump, which yeah. are going to be the liberal cancel culture-ish people. Right. But then again, I've lost them because I've said the R word. So it's so I've had very smart, interesting, yeah. prolific friends of mine say you can't say the R word anymore, even though we like the reversal of the Trump thing. It's still you'll lose f- people who are on your side at that point. And part of me goes, well, what do you mean on my side? Because my side is trying to lampoon everything in society. If I can't bring up the fact that things are a little bit crazy. And I'm sort of examining what I think is crazy. Then, what am I doing? Just trying to be partisan as a comic? Yeah, it's tough because it's like there are certain words that are just trigger words. They're not. They're not allowing you to say the word, no matter what the context. Yes. So if I said the 
N-word, but spelled it out and said, is the worst word you should never use, the N-word. I can't say it. I can't say retard. Like, you can't say these certain words. Yes. And even though, in context, you're either lampooning the the PC part, the whatever you're lampooning. I had a... Oh, God, I don't know if I should say this. I had a crazy circumstance where somebody in the meeting said retired and one guy went flipped out and was like you cannot say that and then we found out he goes i've had some personal experiences where and then his personal experience was he aborted a baby that his baby that was down syndrome Oh wow! And it was like he just—it haunts him to the to this oh, day. Wow. Well, that's yeah. so. That, it's like the word "retard" kind of. Of course. Well, him. that's the thing that I always found very interesting about, I guess, PC culture, which is now called cancel culture. It's kind of the same thing. Is that a comic can go on stage and make fun of Muslims and make fun of Jewish people, and make fun of right. this, or that, and then once they hit upon the one subject where you have a personal affiliation, which or you feel personally triggered by, then that person will be offended and like you're offended now. I just made a fun of know, eight really. different things <laughs> I know. but now that it applies to you it's offensive well it's nothing worse than somebody who's just bothered by the thing that's their group and not you know like i'm bothered by a jewish joke or something but i well, but fuck everybody else well, that's interesting because because as a jewish man yeah and i'm also well i'm a converted secular jewish man. wait what i've con- I converted to judaism long when? story i talked about on the podcast before oh I uh, should... a year ago a year ago over a year ago yeah Oh wow! So have you had your first Hanukkah yet, or have you? No, no. <laughs> no. I converted Judaism to be a secular Jew, pretty much. No, that's hilarious, really. Ish. Well, it's basically for love, which is why people oh. really, at the end of the day, like you're not supposed to convert for love, but that's why I convert. I convert for What's love. Wrong with the that? love didn't work Sorry. out, and now I'm a Jew without a home. Um, <laughs> without a home, it's which okay. Is, which is fine. <laughs> So, but I'm also, super secular. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> practice ever at all. But it's interesting because I feel like if you, if you make jokes that are quote unquote anti-Semitic jokes, yeah, um, and there's plenty of them, yeah. I don't feel like there is going to be the Jewish community isn't going to rise up against that in a way. Generally not. Yeah. Generally not. Yeah. Because they, they, I mean, some level um, comedy in America was invented by. Jews in the Catskills, you know what I mean? It was like we're stand up, the birth of stand up. Yeah. So, um, but the irony is, as as a Jewish person, do you feel that cancel culture has kind of like escaped J- Jews? Like, do you feel like Jews are not like it feels like when Jews have a grievance against, like they're like, well, your Jewish people are so successful, like they they're not allowed to have a grievance. Well, they're not against. all successful. What? <laughs> but that's that that actually bugs me more than anything. Is everyone thinks you know? Oh, Addis is rich because he's come a on, Jew. you have the like, secret gold. We know about the secret. Yeah, I gold. get it. when you're born, you get an ATM card with all the money in the world, <laughs> and you can just access it. No, I mean you know it's like Jews come in every kind of shape and size and financial. You know. Yeah. That's a weird thing that people believe <laughs> that all Jews are successful. And I want to get to your, your background a little bit. You, yeah. you, you grew up in Chicago, right? Uh, Chicago till I was like eight, and then I came out to San Diego, and I was so I was always kind of felt like a like a fish out of water, like I was not a Californian. And what got you yeah. on your path of? Because you at one point you said you you did stand up, you tried it. Or I you, tried it, and I just I, I didn't like it very much. Why? I, <laughs> I don't like telling the same joke over and over. Like yeah, I, don't, I, I don't like I, I really. I like I like everything about making TV and film and content. I like everything about it. Like I like I like the photography, I like the, you know, editing, I like crafting something and then ha- sending that off. 
Yeah. But I don't like live shit. I don't like the I don't like theater and I don't like I mean I like some theater but I'm saying I don't like doing theater and I don't like doing stand up. I don't like going into a theater and doing stuff. It's a I mean it's great it's great the idea of having a live component, which up until now was a was a wonderful thing to be able to just go. Oh, I can go to all these towns and make money. Yeah, me, it's just I, you know, I make something and then put it out into the world, which is great because then it lasts forever to a degree, right? Yeah, um, but you have to continually make more stuff. You yeah. can't. I personally don't have a live component. It's weird to talk about this now because it's so not good i mean so like it's it's anyone with a live component their life sucks right now oh yeah tell me about it (laughs) but 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 like a few years ago it was like shit i wish i had that and we were kind of like a few years ago it was sort of a a comedy a second comedy boom because yeah there's so many theaters and so many stores and clubs um what got you interested in in filmmaking was something as a kid you wanted to do or always since i was 15 i knew i knew i wanted to do this it was just exciting and so i i you know i made i wrote stuff i made shorts i um oh you were that like annoying kid who was making uh, yeah. shorts with all his friends and like yeah showing it to the family that's great oh i was i was making shorts at, you know from day one as soon as i could and then i actually was in radio for a little bit and uh that taught me how to write that taught me that you have to write a lot i remember i would spend all night writing jokes for the radio show and then it was like boom 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 and like 14 minutes later it was it's a like, talk it's radio done. show yeah it was like the morning comedy show, yeah. So not music, just you up there. No, not me. It was like it was a group. It was oh, like it was it. these two guys were hosts. I was fifteen years old, so I was too young for that. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of made me the producer at one point, and it was like, and I didn't even think to perform or anything. Like it, at one point, I was like, oh, we got to get somebody in the office to do an imitation of this guy, and then they're like, we don't have. It's not Second City. We don't have like a bunch of actors hanging yeah. around. They go, you have to do it. So I did it, and then I ended up on the show and. You know, they be, they became kind of mentors, and so I kind of grew up just going, "Oh yeah, wow, yeah." I have to pump out a lot of stuff. <laughs> Hell know? yeah! Really? And what was the first point where you you went to school for making film? Yeah, yeah, at San Diego State. San Diego State. And after yeah. that, what was the first thing that became like your professional salvo? What was the thing that kind of got you on your path? Well, actually, this, that's that's a funny story. The um, I was. Uh, in film school, but I, uh, but I wasn't accepted into the department because my grades were really spotty. So I was like trying to get in the department and auditing the classes. Meanwhile, I got a job like I was at I was working at like what price club which became Costco and I was uh, they ended up making me the head of video and film production like I I ended up making a video for them and then they wanted to make more and so I was in college not being allowed to get debt into the department and yet I had a job in making the, making films, films oh, professionally yeah, yeah like yeah. I was in college making films professionally and not allowed to become a professional filmmaker <laughs> and that was probably pretty good money because Costco they yeah. They got, some, right. they got some, you know, loot. Yeah, no, it was pretty. It was it was pretty good. But I was like, you know, not completely full time because I was going to college. Yeah, who and knows why? Like, I should have <laughs> just dropped out. You know, <laughs> like I was like, okay, now I'm making stuff. I know. I've talked about that with some people. I, like most of my bosses have been college dropouts over my life. Oh, right. It's so ridiculous. My son doesn't want to go to college, and 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 uh, part of me is like, oh no, no, you gotta go, you gotta go. But it's like, it's funny to think that like 
it's a big business. It's like, I mean, you know, kids talk about big pharma and big oil and, and, you know, but it's big, big fucking, university, big yeah. university. It's just a, it's another, it's another big, well, you know, industry. with Harvard right now, they, oh, it's nuts. You can't go on campus. It's online, but the tuition is the same. Oh my God, really? Which is And nuts. the money they have sitting, is it, is it really, it's like 40 billion, something crazy. Like I don't know. I know the same thing with like Princeton. It was, it was, the, the money just came from alumni. They're just it's getting nuts. Some billionaire so alumni. They go, oh, here's five hundred million. Take that, you know. So just make college free, or <laughs> like, or just expand Harvard to be like, you know, every yeah. building fourteen stories. And or you something. have so kids. You have two kids. I have two kids. I have two boys, uh, sixteen and twelve. Sixteen, twelve. This yeah. must be an interesting time as a dad mm-hmm. to be raising kids in a world that se- is seemingly falling apart. Like where, yeah. where, what? How are they taking this? Everything that's happening because obviously at twelve and sixteen they're online, they're on Twitter and social media, probably right. Yeah, I mean they're taking it pretty well. They're um they're playing video games, which is what they wanted to do anyway, and they're on their phones. So yeah. it's just like it's not like oh we wanted to go surfing every day. They, or well surfing is okay, but like they don't go to the mall because they never did care about that. Yeah, you know? is is it because I have a daughter and is it a struggle? Yeah. I've always had a struggle trying to get my daughter to to physically do stuff i know it is hard. like to take up a hobby that yeah. was like f- that would physically engage her you yeah. know like what sport do you want to play she's like i don't really want to play sports like well you should do something that gives you that so you're yeah. not in your head all day and i feel like kids right. more and more because it's so easy to get addicted to your phone addicted mm-hmm. to video games like mm-hmm. what's going to push a kid like the, the mother bird like out of the nest like go go play yeah, that's that's a hard one. I, I haven't I haven't been able to figure that one out. The little one isn't really into sports at all, which is hard for me to sell because I was an asthmatic kid and I never did any sports. Right, uh-huh. so it's hard to go. You gotta, you know. <laughs> but um, I dad was fine to do it. Um, but it also Charlie is uh, the older one is a um, into wrestling, so he's mm. does wrestling a lot. Uh, he's got like two comedian wrestling coaches. It's bizarre. Who? Jay Moore actually teaches. Jay Moore, that's Jay, so funny. He's a great wrestling coach. He's Jay Moore is he's obsessed amazing. with wrestling too. He's obsessed with a lot. He's when, an amazing when I, guy. And I tour with Jay. And when oh, you did? Oh, yeah. he's a great guy. I, I, I do all the time. Yeah. And when we're on the road. He always wants to talk about wrestling. Yeah, amazing. he'll go over. She's like, "Hey, man, I want to talk to you about this. like how do you get a kid to like yeah like instead of going to comedy, he just wants to talk about like wrestling, wrestling coaching and, techniques. And, and he's and, a life coach too. Like he literally he's, has he's his a, clients. He's a good life coach. Yeah. Oh, have he, you worked with him? I mean, I can't say. I will say this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I haven't worked with him. He's good. He is really good. I've said yeah. this. I have had women that I've dated. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. And I think Jay just gravitates towards women, and uh, for a number of reasons. But he, uh, any woman I've had that he's met, he'll just be like, so. Yeah. Yeah. Zero win. And a lot of times, I'll, I'll sit back and go like, this is good because she needs to hear this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, yeah. I, I mean, I'm always eating that shit up. I love, I, I'm, I was a philosophy major, and I love anything dealing with self development, optimization. I just think it's fascinating. I just this morning, I was like going through all this Tom Ballou stuff, and uh, and uh, mindset, Carol Dweck's mindset, which is what is that? Oh, everybody should read this book. It's amazing. It's a book called Mindset. Yeah, it's really great. It really kind of I was one of the reasons I wrote my book because it's like I started going, wow, there's so much I need to to, to get my kids to understand about the world that we're not taught, and you see it all over. People just not getting essential shit. 
Yeah. Like, like the essential shit of mindset. Uh, and Carol Dweck, it's not new agey. It's Carol Dweck's a Stanford professor. And her thing is just there's two kinds of mindsets. There's a growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And the growth mindset is basically... I can always get better. There's no such thing as smart or stupid. I can become smarter yeah. by working hard. I can and become work. happier. I can become... I can become anything, yeah. And um, and then there's a fixed mindset where it's just like, I am this. And you try not to challenge that idea that you have. Like, I'm smart or talented or whatnot. Um, I was... It's funny because I was, I was in a band. Uh, I was in a regular band and a lesbian band when I was in college. And I was not musically talented somebody just taught me <laughs> drums and i just became a drummer yeah. but it was like it was a good example of growth mindset where it's like a lot of people it's like oh this is tough i'm not musically talented and it, like years into the band i was like i'm not musical sure. <laughs> you know and i'm playing in a band but it was like i just pushed and pushed and taught myself this and i just became a drummer so the idea is that a fixed mindset Across the board, is this a bad mindset to yes. have, I imagine, right? Yes, it's bad. Or is a fixed mindset good in some ways? I don't think, no. Because if you want to do something or you want to be learning or expanding yourself, I mean, now with COVID, it's a great time. I'm learning all this different, soft, this different software. I almost, uh, Just before I came over, I was learning this new trick on this this uh, little gadget uh, that for shooting anyway but um <laughs> learning as much as you can will make you more valuable and and it's 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 just it's just a good thing to so, do yeah so but a lot of people are like i'm old i don't need to learn anything. so why do you think because i've definitely know that i've definitely been stuck in mick in, in fixed mindset and i think it might with what uh Sometimes I get a little depressed about the state of the world, or just wait, things wait, where hold I go. On. With the state, what, you, what is the state of the world? <laughs> well, sometimes I get in a fixed mindset about about what what the possibility is in the future for me. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, well, I'm not going to become famous, or I'm not going Who to. Who says? Exactly. I'm just saying these are these are tricks that my mind gets into. You're not a hundred. I mean, you could be the guy who, <laughs> like Rodney Dangerfield, was successful. You know, in his forties and fifties. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't. Age is not a thing. I mean, I, like, what I, are you trying? Like, what I, would be the thing that would make you not successful? I don't know what it would be unless you just died tomorrow. No, I get it. There, there's just something sometimes in my mindset. Like I went through an eviction in New York, right? With my apartment. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that it was sucked. so bad. Yeah. That it's sort of by the end of it, I found myself a little bit stuck in this idea of there is no justice in the world, bad people win, Some shit happens, yeah. and yep. just like try to live your life and be as happy as possible in the face of just a miserable, gross world. <laughs> oh, and that I mean, can, that's one way to look at it. I know. It's I awful. mean, I can sit here and go, that. ah, Bill has great hair and I don't. Ah, <laughs> fuck, it sucks. I know, I know. No, I get it. I get it. Stupid, but I'm saying, what do you think the the thing is that keeps people in a fixed mindset? Do you think it's just learned apathy or learned it's helplessness? No, it's comfortable. It's like, I mean, you could be in a fixed mindset, and uh, like I was, I was trying to teach my, I was teaching myself chess, and I just kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to do it because every every time I played chess with somebody, I would lose. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah. So you have to do, you have to, to be in a growth mindset, you have to do some hard things and you have to train yourself to do hard things. Chess is hard. If you're playing with smart people who are good at chess or even kids, 
because I started just two years ago. So kids would beat me, and yes. I could easily, if I was in a fixed mindset, go, well, fuck it. I'm, I'm just not good chess at chess. Chess is my thing. Chess isn't my blah, thing. Blah, blah, isn't my thing. Or it's just, you know what? It's just a crummy game. It's stupid. Yeah. It's a stupid game. <laughs> yeah. That's what everyone does when they suck at something. Ah, yeah, you know it's it. stupid. Or right. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to do that. Um, but like, that's an example of, of like, it's easier, and you could certainly justify not doing the hard stuff, like learning, not just learning chess, but getting better and better at chess. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm like, I could pick up a guitar and play a little bit not excellently because i kind of gave up when it got hard <laughs> yeah so because it's not that important to me but you know if and that's probably a justification right there you know but i yeah. should if i kept it up and played when i was bored like oh this is kind of boring now i don't want to do this i would i would get better and better so the idea is that anything out there and it sounds a little Any, hacky but anything anything that you put your mind to you can achieve some level of proficiency in at least yes you yes you could you could get better you could way better than you are now yeah whatever you uh i mean even you know even when you talk about financially you know it's like ah the world sucks and i can't first of all the world in a weird way your world may suck and i mean look look at it this way i was um i was talking to my accountant today because i i'm gonna file an extension it's like yeah it's like oh shit i can't get right <laughs> done in time and so um I, he was saying yeah world's really rough out there i go it isn't if you make toilet paper yeah i mean amazon's doing great uh procter and gamble's doing great um you know uh, yes entertainment not so good if you're in production or post-production not so good but if you make paper towels, it's okay. Yeah. All the, the grocery store, the groceries are going up. Lots and lots of things going down. Yeah. So, yeah, no doubt that it people are dying and it's terrible. But, you know, I mean, you make the best of situations. Yeah. I mean, look, they're not putting my people in ovens right now. So that's, that's, a, well, that's a good spot. one. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to a friend of mine who was pitching shows, sort of non-scripted, shows i do want to talk about the spaces that you work in because yeah i'm mostly non-scripted, non-scripted. um which you have to write a lot by the way yeah i <laughs> know i've heard that so he had a couple pitches with some big companies mm-hmm. and when he went in he assumed these companies were going to be inundated with all sorts of pitches because during this time of the quarantine like people are just going to hunker down and just churn out material right and all these companies are i think there are three interviews they're all like we're not getting shit like people actually aren't, they thought that people would kind of say, hey, I'm going to like come up with all, what a great time to write and to create. And so That's that when doing, yeah. the lockdown ends, you and hit people the, aren't hit doing the running. And some people, you obviously are, I'm and some people it. are, um, but I think because of fixed mindset, some people just kind of go, and I'm 100% guilty of this, where I kind of go, um, well, what am, I'm writing stand up, and I always write a little bit here and there, but it's a great opportunity. I mean, I'm, I'm a published author. Like, why am I not writing stories or trying to get published book, yeah. or, or writing pitches? Yeah. Um, and I think there is a little learned helplessness that goes on because I did have a, a, a pilot called I Met My Daughter on Facebook, which is sort of Ooh. based on... I met my daughter when she was two, but I sort of wrote a pilot where I meet her when she's eight. Oh, that's um, good. And it's kind of based on time when my daughter... She stayed with me in New York. She lived in LA. She stayed with me in New York when she was eight yeah. for a couple of weeks. And uh, and I was the consummate. I was a Kundalini t- 
tantric yoga teacher. I mean, <laughs> I was really? like, and, and and like a comic, Kundalini yoga teacher, and go-go dancer in New York City. So clearly, I was a bachelor. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was, and then I have a daughter. Right. Not just a child, but a daughter. So yeah. a, a, a girl that I have to, you know, impute good values to, yeah. and sort of, a, sort of like, wait, what am I? What am I? I can't bring back women to the apartment. I can't. And if I introduce her to any women, they have to be really amazing women who will. <laughs> You're be, like, wait, now I have to date amazing women. Well, it's just also like I <laughs> can't awesome. just like I can't just be an asshole and just be part of hookup culture which yeah, to a degree yeah, I, I wasn't true. that bad but yes yeah, but so um and so that the pilot was that was kind of the springboard for the pilot that sounds right? really good um and a lot like a lot of companies sniffed and a lot of pitches and i went around i did the pitches yeah and just like i think there were like five or six went up, went up the the tone pole for a few and it just fell apart and then i was kind of like why create fucking anything why Ooh, make anything yeah, yeah. why I, uh, no that's uh, stupid and then you're um, waiting for months for these yeah. things is oh well Sony's interested just wait just wait Happy Mass is interested wait wait and then what doesn't happen then you kind of go well then and I know that's a stupid mentality well not it's no but it's it's yes it's stu- I mean I get I've felt exactly the same way but one of the reasons why it's stupid is because you don't realize that when you're going in to pitch something more often than not they're just going Bill is really funny I don't want to buy this but we could put him on this other thing oh, it's well, like it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't happen. Well, but it is like kind of a general job interview of like, yeah. you know, hey, maybe not that, but how about this other thing? Yeah. So getting into those rooms is just always good. You want to get in those rooms. Uh, I'm sorry, getting in those rooms and being funny or being interesting is yeah. almost always good. So what's the thing that's kind of like, I know you talked about this this mindset, but what is the thing that kind of keeps you moving forward and exploring new subjects? Is it just a natural curiosity have you had to cultivate it or you just think you have it? Because one of the things that we talked about the other day, 4th of July, when we yeah, hung out. that was fun. Um, you were like, I want to do a, maybe a documentary about non-monogamy. Yeah, I, th- I find that fascinating. You know why I find non-monogamy fascinating? Is um, I kind of think it's like the new atheism. Like, you know, the, the, mm. the, the Christopher Hitchens and the Richard Dawkins were like going, hey, maybe there's not a God and, and here's why actually maybe not only there's not a God, but maybe it's damaging to practice religion. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, um, and I think that the way we kind of dogmatically follow monogamy, uh, it's, it, it, it can be silly. I mean, I, I get it. I get like, it'd be nice to fall in love with one person and not have to date other people and just like go home and everything is perfect. That's, that's great. But also one of the problems of monogamy is that we, we sort of have normalized jealousy. Like jealousy is just a a thing people do. Yeah. And there's no other option. Like if you see a guy looking at your girl, you're going, you're, you're going to have to hurt him. He's (laughs) going to have to, you you know, like somebody's going to get hurt. And you know, if you catch your girlfriend in bed with somebody, uh, maybe you kill her, you know, like it's a violent notion, but it all comes with this idea of ownership. Sure. That is not, just built into us is just sort of something we've applied to the human condition which is just uh and it's not every single culture but our culture is like i own this woman and she wants to be owned or she owns me and and if at any point 
one of us strays. It's a betrayal, and it's like you got to break up. So relations, people get hurt physically uh, from because of monogamy, and also people get. Um, uh, really good relationship get get crunched because it's like oh you gotta you gotta break up so yeah. it, there's a lot of dogma in monogamy that I think is unnecessary so I've done like hours of in yeah okay me <laughs> like that um and I've done hours of interviews and I'm actually tonight I'm working on putting together the podcast and I want to do more for it because it's to me it's like I love asking those questions and not because I think it's non monogamy or polyamory is a is a better way I just think. Why don't we consider alternatives? Why do we always like, I'm going to be a Republican or Democrat. One of these two things. Yes. I'm going to be a Christian and I'm going to be a monogamous person. Yes. I think that uh, I have a couple thoughts on that. First of all, <laughs> sure. the producer of this podcast, Tommy Wakefield, he was a super, super big fan of Bernie. Who is it? Tommy Wakefield. He produces this podcast. Oh, cool. Right? And he's a, he's a young guy. Yeah. Big fan of, I think I've seen, heard him on the podcast. Uh, big fan of Bernie. Sanders. Yeah, yeah, great. And, you know, we had one episode just about Bernie and what he thought about socialism and democratic socialism. Yeah. And basically the ideals of communism, which intrinsically for a group of human beings that are evolved is a good idea. Communal living, but communal living, like historically, has proven to be a disaster because everything that, yeah, anytime there's a like, quote unquote utopia that's even attempted, it ends up with one person power fucking everyone violence and bloodshed yeah because i don't think human beings are evolved enough it's a great idea but i don't think human beings are evolved enough because in the yet. day like it's lord of the rings the ring of power like yeah, yeah. you give a, a man the ring of power they they don't oh, know they what the fuck it. to do with it yeah exactly and that applies to all races all people <laughs> right and that's why i get a little bit i kind of blanch a little bit what's happening in the culture right now because it's great that the, that the power shifted and that like white men are getting knocked down of course it's great um, but we have but to the remind, ring of power is going to go to somebody. Yeah, we have to remind ourselves that everybody's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever's going to have the ring of power is going to be a piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have um, my neighbors uh, from Nigeria and tells me stories about Africa, and I just go, wow, there's, you have shitty people in there, too. We have, there's shitty people everywhere. Yeah, like, <laughs> there's people who take the power and run with it, and that's why, you're right, that's why communism and Marxism, it's just like, it's, it works in Berkeley. And, but or, polyamory is similar, because I have a, yeah, right, I have exactly. a friend who's, who's a cop, and he yeah. had a job moonlighting security as a security guard for swingers parties. <laughs> okay. And, well, by the way, those are two very different things. The, uh, the okay. swingers are generally sort of politically on the right and the polyamory people are generally politically on the left. Like it's basically... So what's the difference between swingers okay, and polyamory? Okay, so po polyamory is multiple loves and it's kind of hippie-ish and communish and it's I was a, a lot of... I was a yoga teacher, so... You I should know, know about uh, polyamory. About it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should... Your chakras should be standing up right it's now. Like the, oh, I always think of the Owen Wills, hey guys, it's all about love. Let's just all like... <laughs> you know, it's like... It's kind of bullshit, but okay. Yeah, well, okay. but um, so the the but but if you're just like, hey, who wants to fuck my wife? That's that kind of trading thing, that kind of white swapping thing is a lot of times more of like, uh, hey, you know, the Trumpians and stuff. But Interesting. It's not always, but I'm just saying, like, generally, when I've gone to these conventions to kind of investigate it, I found wow, it is kind of a clear delineation between wow, two crazy. groups. Because the thing that he would say, he he would say it was great. Because there is a little bit of like free love idea in uh -huh. the swingers parties, but he said the problem is the reason he had to work as a security guard because oh, every once in a while some 
old fat fuck dude who's like you know yeah. 67 years old shows up with a super hot third year old and it's a feeding frenzy i know and people go and all of a sudden like gel like fights and violence yeah. break out because as much people are okay with it there's a degree of hotness <laughs> that they get possessive over and that's why i talk about the ring of power like even even a woman who is that beautiful and sexy and breathtaking I think it's intrinsically natural for people to get, and I agree, it's something that should be overcome probably, that the idea of possession over that. I think so. But do you think that we're at a place where that's something that's viable in a mass culture? When you say a place, not like right now with COVID, like it's a bad time yeah, for non bad COVID, bad time for threesomes. Yeah, yeah, bad time for threesomes. So, so now, um, but you're saying oh, oh, like in our, in our history, it's, I think in our history, the evolution, and certainly millennials would tell you this, is more towards being a little more fluid and a little more open with relationships. The, I'm going to have a a wife and we're going to last for 50 years is maybe less likely than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's, um, I would think that that is, if I had to put my money on, I mean, Esther Perel says that she thinks that in 60 years, most relationships will be non-monogamous. That, that's not, and remember, non-monogamous is just anything that's not monogamy. So you could say you could be poly, you could be wife swapping, you could be um, just like you and your girl go out and have threesomes, or you and your girl go out and have foursomes, or go who go to play parties, whatever it is. But that kind of thing will be more the norm, and it's, I just think that's interesting. It is interesting, but what is very interesting about it is that um, obviously for women. Mm-hmm. That's very. I don't mean it's easy in, in terms of logistics, but a woman, a woman, an attractive woman, or let's be honest, any woman mm-hmm. can kind of just hook up with most men yeah. on the planet. Yeah, right. married or otherwise. It's right. a sad statement about men and women, maybe, but like uh, men, you know, they're Jeffrey Jim Jeffries has a funny joke. He goes, "For women to be be to be." Uh, for a man to have sex with a lot of women, he's got to be charming and funny and da, yeah. da, 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 da. For women to have sex with a lot of men, you just have to be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so it, it, there isn't really an equal playing field when you talk about polyamory in terms of men yeah. versus women. But I guess yeah. everything is fluid now, so what does that even mean? Well... There are people with vaginas that can can get a little sex a little more easily. By the I way, guess, my yeah. my daughter who is it's funny because my daughter she's at Berkeley, yeah. So she, which cool. is the crucible of I know, all really? far left thought. She's right? gonna come home and rail you. On, oh on, no, on she's, your ideas she's, oh, Believe me, she she hates my comments. Dad, you shouldn't say that. She thinks I'm a goddamn caveman, and I'm and I'm and I and to her, I'm trying to learn from her. Um, but you, but what's interesting is you are. You're, I think of you as an old school liberal. Like you say, you're a liberal who's become a moderate, but but I think you're just responding to liberals getting annoying. And so I'm a I'm a, I just call myself an old school liberal. Like I'm I'm a liberal, but I don't. I'll go to a party and and piss off liberals because yes. it's just it's an evolution. Yeah. Of of an evolution of uh, what the Harpers. Uh, Oh, that's right. We, we didn't mention this. Oh, podcast we didn't talk yet, about But that. this, this oh, yeah. letter came out today. What, Amazing. What was it again? It was an open letter uh, against cancel culture, uh, signed by Malcolm Gladwell and Martin Amis and Noam Chomsky and J.K. Rowling and a bunch of other people. 
pretty smart people generally and it just i read it and it was just like i mean had things like blinding you know the blinding certainty you know like just like it really good just good writing and and, just, and yeah. fairly anodyne like it's not saying super, anything yeah. that isn't that's super controversial i didn't think but it was it was really clarifying like it was really like you know yes the the things that are that trump begets are bad but we're also swinging in a way that that could be could be damaging like yeah. we're looking to cancel people and more we're looking to cancel people not ideas i i personally like you know just having written this book i talked to my kids about like let's go after ideas not necessarily people i want to destroy racism not racists yeah i'd like to fix a racist rather than just getting them fired which doesn't cure racism yes an uh, uh, some intellectual. You're talking about your daughter and yeah, yeah. Shit, where did, no, no, no. We, it's, it's totally fine. Okay, we don't have, there's no segues in this podcast. <laughs> okay, at all. I know. By the way, I do want to talk about your book though. So what? What is? Give us. A, okay, so the book is called um, "Who's Your Daddy?" Bedtime stories I tell my kids, but maybe shouldn't. And I wrote. Uh, tw- it's like 24 chapters of just me uh, telling my kids stories about. You know, I just kind of wanted to give them some life lessons and you know entertain them at bedtime because it's like i would work till like seven or eight at night and come home and just get like a half an hour to talk to them and i wanted to like in part tell them stuff that i thought that would help them if at any point i went away uh and then also just you know it just it was a bonding experience i'd rather tell them that than curious george of course what what was horrible by the way have you looked at that lately it's <laughs> like, what is that is that bra- problematic i don't i'm, I'm not gonna call it problematic <laughs> that's a, that, that expression i use but the um i mean you are stealing a little monkey from africa and putting him in a bag and taking him across the ocean and throwing him into a animal zoo i mean an animal jail rather it's i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> it's not my thing what was the story that sort of was a jumping off point for you for this for this book was there is there if there's one story that you'd say summarizes this book i don't think there's any i think it was um and i, w- I was working on this today actually the, the an adjunct or a, or a bonus chapter which is like i had came up with like 10 or 15 uh different values things that i wanted to like teach them and uh-huh. I, the stories illustrate that interesting you know? is there one that you can talk about well I, you know like confidence like well, how do you build confidence you build confidence with skills yeah but and and you know basically doing something that you didn't think you could do and so i ran a marathon and i was an asthmatic kid and running a marathon was a big deal to me and i i you know my father was there and just going what you're actually doing this and every step of the way he's like wait you're really you've made another mile how is that possible wow i mean that's a great lesson it is great can we take a break so I can we can take breaks of course okay i just have to go to the bathroom real quick okay of course okay i'm a paul i'm a sorry so the book um so the impetus for the book is you f- obviously you feel that you're going to be creating something that is a, a tool book for, for dads, right? Yeah, that's exactly the idea. Exactly. Like, like I want fathers to read it and go, oh, this is funny. And I, maybe I have some stories too. I don't, they don't have to be hilarious. Uh, but you know, and, and some fathers are like, find it daunting the idea of having to tell a story. Uh, to their kids every night or you know but I just think it's like every once in a while just like 
tell a personal story. Your kids and the personal—they're all personal stories. They're all personal stories, and I think they're and and they're you know different subjects. They're always like some kind of a little life lesson. But I think every dad has that, and I think the thing that all the things we're talking about right now, Bill, about like val- our values and the things that we we uniquely believe that you know oh, society's not doing this right or whatnot. It's something that you want to infuse in your kids that kind of lack of certainty that sounds bad but like a a, a constant curiosity a yes. not, like a growth mindset right it's like yeah. the the whole world is like hmm i wonder if this is right well let's let's see if we could do it a little bit better i mean a yeah. lot like you know a lot of the things about black lives matter a lot of things about me too all terrific but you it's good to keep questioning are we doing it perfectly yes you know what i mean and i think that um, and this might be dangerous waters I'm going okay, into right let's now. Go. But um, I used to think growing up that everything about Republican ideology was about, about a fixed mindset, right? And that Republican ideology was, was a fixed mindset and liberal ideology was a mindset about learning and growing and being progressive and thinking outside the box and expanding. Um, Wait, and- so j- you just made the box. <laughs> You just, you just made the two-item oh, box. I get it. Why do? You, why is there a two-item? Well, box? I'm saying that's why you used to believe. Okay, good. But good. now, but now I've because my dad is a Republican sure. and my dad is also a great man. So I've uh-huh. had to kind of come to terms with the fact, like, okay, you could actually be a good, moral, upstanding person and be and vote for Trump. That's that is a possibility that exists. I don't uh, think he'll vote for Trump this time, but he did in 2016. So I've had to come to terms with a lot of that and. Also, I've had to come to terms of the fact that my dear Democratic Party and the liberal ideology that I was so ensconced in is sort of, in my eyes, becoming more fixed in their mindset and becoming yeah. more intractable in their ideas about how things work and how things operate. It's almost like Absolutely. things have, have flipped. It was start, Yeah, we're starting to get that way. But I think that the people who voted for Trump we're saying, hey, do we want another dynasty? Do we want, don't, don't we want an outsider? Which is kind of, in a way, how Obama got in there. So, so the positive of people trying to get somebody fresh, yeah. obviously it was a failure. And yes. we knew then it wasn't going to work. But, the, but that concept of, I mean, if you're talking about the binary nature of Republicans and Democrats, I think that's trash. I think that's that's always bad. Um, but I think the idea of trying to get an outsider has its value. Yeah. So, yeah, I talk to Republicans all the time who have good ideas, but I still think that I always charge them with, why do, why do you have to be one or the other? Mm-hmm. I, I literally have voted Republican, Democrat, and, and, and um, Independent in my life. And I'm going to continue to do so. I'm going to look for the best person for the job. Yeah. But that notion that I'm lockstep going with the Democratic Party, which I, I've, I've, I'm close, but definitely I have problems with certain things. Yeah. It's the way I think human beings should be. You can, like, it's nonsense that we've divided everything like a fucking football game into two teams. Yes. No, it is. And also, you know, we're in Hollywood. And if you are a Republican, mm-hmm. you got to be deep in the closet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not, but I know I have friends who are Republican who have like whispered to me, like, you know, dude, I, I, I'm actually a Republican, but they would never say that publicly because they're TV stars or movie stars or whatever it is, right? And they can't talk about it. And that to me is a little bit crazy that p- 
political, I don't know if it was always this way, but political ideology now is sort of aligned with what people seem to equate with a moral ideology. So it's liberal good, Republican evil, not difference of ideas or difference of policy, right? Yeah, you, you got, well, you got to get over the, the binary, and but you got to get over good and evil. Like, yeah. it's like, that's the worst. I mean, you know, was, I was slugging my way through the Nietzsche book, uh, Beyond Good and Evil, and yeah. it just talks all the time about, like, you know, it's not, we are trying to compartmentalize things into this, into this binary good and evil. Yeah. Trump has obviously a lot. He's an idiot most of the time. Yes. You know, um, so it's silly to call yourself a Republican at this moment because then your guy is Trump. There's real problems. But but the on the other side, it's like we've got crazy cancel culture and we've got a candidate who's not great. He, I mean, it's amazing that this is the best we get. But yeah. at the same time. Is better, and once we get the running mate, we're going to see. Oh well, that could be interesting too. Yeah. So you know, I think I think the I think if you are a lifelong Republican or a lifelong Dem- Democrat, you should just look in the mirror and say, "Is this? Isn't there another option?" Yes, for sure. Now I think that uh, in terms of count- cancel culture too, and everything that's happening right now, and it's everywhere. I, I, I've been, and I'm sure you've looked in a lot of stuff like Buddhism. and Taoism and And my belief in Buddhism is that nothing is personal right that language isn't violence right language is how we express ourselves but your your ability to not take language personally is a step in evolution yeah as a human if someone comes in and goes nothing's personal right that's one of the rules of of Buddhism yeah there's a book The Four Agreements and that's rule number one yeah nothing is not like well that isn't per- no nothing is literally per- everyone's coming from their own baggage and I history know. I've and heard context. people talk about how racist the COVID is it's like really it's the, the disease is racist yeah I know that's that's like, a whole uh, other like that's worms. taking it personal and if you if you look at uh, where we are as humans and you want to say okay we are uh, we want to evolve to a race where we can matriculate to Mars or have space colonies and to be that culture, to be that civilization, well, to reverse engineer that, that is a culture, hopefully by that point, is a culture without racism, right? I think, I think racism is a mental illness. I think that we all are operating on, we, all of us are on some continuum of, of physical health, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you're probably a little more healthy than me and, you know, whatever. Um, but mentally, I think it's the same exact thing. And I think for a person to look at Prince and say he's he's uh, dumb or, or or lesser than a white man like it's it's mental illness yes I, 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 I just don't I don't have any other explanation for it yeah right so do you th- yeah, I agree but do you think that what's happening right now with cancel culture do you think I think that kind of flies in the face of the idea that we want to evolve as a society to a place where it doesn't matter and if you want to to make it not matter don't you think the thinking should be well? Let's think. Of, let's try to come together in a different way than just shutting everything down. Well, we all know how to how to make people physically more healthy. 
Yeah. There's a variety of things you could do to be, you know. Proactive, positive things to do. Yeah, if you're pre-diabetic, cut down the sugar yeah. and, and go for walks So what's the positive things you do mentally and psychologically? I, I, I'm, not po- I'm not sure, but I would say growth mindset and fixed mindset are things that people need to be taught. And I'm and the whole thing about the uh, that Jay talks about and all the, you know, when I read about self-improvement, I think, okay, you're constantly trying to improve your mental condition. And if you find yourself saying that all black people are are dumb or 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 something i don't know whatever you think as a racist it's like that's just illness like you got to get over that and say this is silly and that's why when i say when i look at cancel culture i think we we t- we take a person who has an illness and we just get rid of them yeah it seems like a bad move yeah. it doesn't work but if we say if we try to drive out bad ideas i mean look at the look at the look at the country's attitude about gay marriage in in our lifetime it's gone from like this is terrible we can't even ever obama do this. didn't didn't approve of it exactly so in 15 years it went from like well, i don't think it's a good move to like okay whatever cool why not yeah they should suffer as much as we suffer <laughs> you know <laughs> but no but i mean really it's like so things can change pretty rapidly and to, and to and to cancel people is a good example of of feeling powerless and and everyone walking around without any kind of feeling like they can empower themselves like I can't fix a racist. I think I could fix a racist. Yeah, if we talk I, long enough. <laughs> I, I I agree with that. I I think that my dad, um, you know, he grew up in in Oxnard. I don't think he grew up with any black people. And he wasn't exposed to him. He wasn't so that, exposed. Yeah, to him. that makes it difficult. Good guy, but we, he moved. He worked for the government. He was in the Navy. And I went to a school outside Washington, D.C., which was a 70, I, I joke my act, it was 70% black, 30% terrified. But it was like, <laughs> it was a pretty rough and tumble black school, right? Uh-huh. And um, I, I don't think my dad, and, and for my dad to be a Republican, it's like, hey, if you're going to be a Republican, at least be rich, dummy. But um, <laughs> That's right, the poor Republican. So, <laughs> the poor Republican. So um, he... I don't think he would ever consider himself racist, but my first girlfriend, serious girlfriend, uh, was black, and she still is. And um, I use that joke too. I use that joke too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he at one point said to me, he doesn't listen, so I can say this. He he was like, you know, Bill, the Bible said that God separated the races, and he did it for a it reason. It did. In the Tower of Babel, some really? fundamental, eh, whatever. So I look if you if you want to be racist, the Bible can give you enough stuff. If you want to be homophobic, the Bible can give you enough stuff to kind of latch onto. If you want to, right? If you but don't also get, if you, if you have problems with polyester blends, it gives you enough stuff. If that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, if if you want to be fundamentalist, like oh, there's something you can latch onto. If you really if you don't look at, it, at the Bible as a living document, as a fixed and tractable thing, you can find whatever to justify your fucking bullshit. So um, right. he said, I don't think that the races were meant to commingle mm-hmm. in terms of. Uh, uh, making children f- across my dad, my senior year in high school. That makes sense. So my yeah. my black girlfriend would come to uh, watch me play football or, yeah. or soccer. Yeah, and my parents would take her to the games. Okay, and everyone would just look at them like, "What are you doing with this black girl?" Like this is Virginia, and it what do you really want to know what I'm doing with her. <laughs> and my parents got really protective of her and were like, well, this is... Oh, there you go. Yeah, and so it really changed, but they yeah. needed that kind of yeah, like yeah. exposure for them to kind of go, oh, right. I get it too. And I So in a matter of months, they, they they became mentally a little healthier in terms of I agree. racism. I and I think that's true well, also... We could have just canceled your dad. He could have said something and we could have canceled him. Yes. 
I could have canceled. And a lot of people. You I mean, could have canceled them. That's true. And a lot of people do that where their parents don't believe a certain way or their parents voted for Trump and they're like, I will never talk. I can't tell you how many times on Facebook every week. Like, listen, if you ever vote for Trump or you're a Republican, yeah. or unswipe left, block me, right. never talk to me again. Never talk, yeah, yeah. God bless you, but like, I never, yeah. like, that's fucking garbage too. Like, why is that a, a way to handle it? It's a silly way to handle it. I, I, I don't, I get that those conversations are tedious. Like, if somebody is right now in 2020, a big fan of trump it's we a little weird it is a little weird but yeah. but it's but it's um yes i wouldn't take that person off my friend list yeah and like my brother my oldest brother's a cop he's he's on swat right and if you are a police officer right now yeah um you're probably leaning to trump you're probably going because trump is going to at least protect my job yeah and protect uh what I believe I'm doing as a police officer. Right. And if you have an idiot like Bill de Blasio, who's, you know, defunding all the police and all this stuff, and then the crime skyrockets, he's like, that's weird. Why is that happening? I mean, there is, there is a lot of gray area between how policy is effectuated by this stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, we, 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 we're just so against cops right now that it's like it's irrational it makes no sense yeah like and 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 democrats are the best at at at, at fucking having terrible slogans <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like believe women all women every single woman and 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 you know and then this new one defund the police it's like no that's not what you want to do and that's not even what you're planning to do and the problem is it's is just quip little quips and just it's like not they're nuanced you have to talk about the change i mean i think it's really interesting that they're taking people like your brother and saying he this the he should do these tasks but not every task yeah it shouldn't be just like oh call the police we gotta you know no that's crazy and, person and, and my brother said he said you know the idea that when there's a domestic violence call oh, which yeah, happens a lot supposed, yeah um you should bring in a social worker as opposed to yeah. a police officer my brother's like i'm all for it I'm all for it because yeah. the truth is when there's a domestic violence call in a bad neighborhood, mm -hmm. no cop wants to take that call right. because they know that they could be killed, they could be right. shot. Those are the most dangerous situations to walk into. That's how Stacey Keach died in the New Centurions. <laughs> it's an old movie. You're, did you ever see that? <laughs> I don't know. No. It's a great cop movie, but it's like it's about a cop who goes through all this shit and everything and then he goes one domestic violence call at the very end yes. of the movie and gets shot. So my brother said, yeah, send social workers. He goes, yeah, that, exactly. that's fine. I think there might be value to it. But you know social workers are going to get beat up and killed. If we're okay with that, I'm okay with that. But just know that is what is going to happen if social workers well, respond you could to these calls. have them protect themselves in some way. I mean, I think the idea that we need to evolve the police force is probably that's a, great idea, yeah. a great idea. And so why, why, do, why do people on the left not get like talk about the nuances of that don't just hold up a sign saying defund the police yeah and it goes back to that conversation oh, the, yeah. about the, the the harper's letter it yeah is, the letter is basically saying look guys we're going too far with cancel culture we should have an open forum for, dialogue is still important yes and ideas still need to be shared and yes. the discussions which lead which leads to a progressive mindset or a, what, what, a, a, growth, mindset. a growth mindset and a growth culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's what uh, we a should have. Growth culture does not result from people saying, if you do this, you're fucking canceled. This is bad. This is bad. Blah, 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 blah. We're going to get you fired from your job. Yeah. I just saw somebody on somebody I respected on Facebook say, 
um, look at this guy. Just get me get me his boss's number. <laughs> like what? Like yeah. they go right to like we're gonna get him fired. Yeah, it had nothing to do with. And, th- and then you look fired. at some like Lin Manuel Miranda who yeah. wrote Hamilton, Hamilton who's yeah. one of the true fucking yeah. geniuses. Yeah. of the entertainment world yeah. of the 21st century. One of the yeah. most pure genius. I mean, he's a yeah. brilliant, brilliant person. Right. And people not only want to cancel Hamilton because it's it's promulgating that the founding fathers were good people, mm-hmm. but cancel him because of him making black people play these evil slave traders and what does that mean? And the sort of like subtle bits of sexism that Ugh. result. It just makes me kind of go like, is it because people are... In, is it exacerbated by the fact that we're on quarantine and no one has a fucking job and people are just looking for things to do? Well, they're they're mad at that, but they're also mad. Everyone felt really powerless after the last election. Like, how did we let this happen? And it's like uh, Eric Griffin saying, you know, why don't you guys stop with the marches and just march over the voting booth? I mean, it's really, it's like we, we screwed that up. Yes, and right now, based on what's happening, if Biden doesn't win, if oh, Trump wins, then then everyone needs to shut up because based on what's out there, he had, he should have no shot. If the people who are talking on Instagram and Twitter, and everyone else get out and vote, he'll lose in a landslide. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that means that they're not voting. Yeah. So then, or it's a real, uh, they've taken cheating to another level. Cause when people go, they're going to cheat. I'm like, you don't think they cheated with, I mean, when Obama was elected, the Republicans were cheating, you know? It's, yeah, it's know. like, you still beat cheating by getting out and voting in huge numbers. Yeah, no, I remember sure. one thing when, the, after the elections, the, uh, some millennials were saying, you know, oh, if we had our way, it would have, wouldn't have been Trump. And it's like, you did, and you didn't vote, you know? Yes, and they blame, and they blame Bernie as well. And now you have Kanye in the mix. He's not. He doesn't even <laughs> file the papers. Oh really? No, he doesn't even find, like he's just. Is this a publicity stunt? Yeah, he's just he's an entertainer. He's trying to wind us up. <laughs> yeah, he's a brilliant guy. I mean, he's just basically trying to get everyone. Everyone's looking at Kanye. It's smart. So, uh, you know, because I know we talk a lot about race. So your kids, yeah, two boys. I'm um, raising them racist. Yeah, raise them. <laughs> <laughs> no, you raise them to live in a growth mindset, which is amazing. Yeah. Do how does that? In terms of sexuality, what is, what is your conversation with kids like? What do you we think? just had a conversation about sexuality today? They were, um, they, I mean, they both don't want to talk about of sex. Of course dad. not. I with a dad. I know they don't, and they, you know, neither and one of them is talks about twelve and fifteen. 16, 12 and, and 16. They're, and they're probably jerking off like it's going out of style. God, I don't even want to think about it because, like. I do the laundry and it's like, <laughs> what am I washing? You know? So I have, I haven't seen or heard anything about that. And I guess it's good if I did. I don't know. I just, I, don't I would, I, I, I don't know. My dad, literally his conversation with me was like, so Bill, just keep it in your pants. Keep it in your pants. How's that Which, work? Which, you know, then, you so when it. I was masturbating, I was like, what am I, what is this doing? What's this? I had no idea what it even was. You yeah. Know what no. I mean? So you're, you had a conversation. No, but we had a conversation about homosexuality and SpongeBob being gay. and Yeah. How and, did that come about? Well, Charlie was a little bit like, eh, you know, why does he have to be gay? It's like, well, he has to be something, you know? Yeah. I mean, Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse were sexualized. They were dating. Yeah. I assume they were having sex. So it's like cartoon characters if they're 
they probably have some something going on and spongebob is gay so, so what so how the so the people who made Spon- the creator of spongebob or nickelodeon or i don't know who decided they basically that just, but it was pride month and they were like hey guys SpongeBob, but is SpongeBob gay. has been around for years. Like, what? We he hasn't dated anybody for and just started. I don't get that. Is he dating now in the show? I don't know. But like to reveal that you're, well, you can't reveal you're gay unless you're dating somebody. Yeah, I guess so. But he didn't have any. He didn't have a kitten caboodle. He didn't have any genitalia. He's just porous. I mean, that's true. Sponges don't have sex, and if they had sex with other, I don't know how sponges <laughs> procreate. I. I See, that was the thing when writing the book. It's like the kids would ask questions like, hey, dad, what, you know, do the, do the white eggs come out of the chicken's vagina and the brown eggs come out of their butt? And I'd be like, no, of course not. And then brilliant like, question, though. What's that? <laughs> That's a brilliant question. It's a good question. It makes sense. I, I actually didn't know. And so <laughs> I, I had to do some quick research. But it was like, I don't know how sponge sponges procreate yeah yeah i don't know maybe they are all gay and so maybe that's actually the thing it's like dummy they're all gay yeah yeah so your (laughs) your son had an issue with the fact that spongebob was gay no just like why does he have to be gay like my son sometimes does the like 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 the hey questioning the 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 fire laughed i mean we're both we're all like kind of left lefties yeah but like we like to poke at the left because that's the thing but um but you know just why does spongebob have to be like it was sort of like a uh virtue signaling thing or like you know a, a publicity stunt which it probably is i don't know yeah but um but i but i did say to him like be careful of that notion of homosexual so homosexuality being sexualized and heterosexuality not <laughs> heterosexuality is just the thing you do, it's yeah. sexual. And then as, homosexual. Just as sexual. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. And so like, you know, they have to sexualize him. Why He's something. To, yeah, why do they have to sexualize uh, Donald Duck? He, he was had girlfriends. Yeah, they had girlfriends. They all had girlfriends or boyfriends. That's yeah. sex. Yeah. All those cartoon characters are fucking. Yeah. Somebody. Now, my daughter, when my daughter <laughs> was 16, I started thinking that she was a lesbian. And just because I just had a feeling, I just had a feeling. And, you hit um, on her and she said, no. Um, <laughs> and uh, she, I was like, you know, and, and I had a feeling that she also wouldn't feel comfortable telling me because, however, I come across to her, I was, I was like, ah, maybe I come across a guy who would what be did like, she, like, hey, what do you mean? Yeah, you lesbian. Da, da, da. So I said to her, <laughs> Is that suddenly you get that voice? I don't know how why. Did she you, made, how, what, what made you think? Because I hung out with lesbians because I was in a lesbian band, but like, how okay, do you, I'll t- tell, tell you why. So my daughter is five foot nine. Oh, beautiful. Uh Has a body like a runway model. Legs, yeah, leg like long, long legs. She could be, you know. And when she dolls up, she is like a knockout. Okay. So, but I found that when she was around sophomore in high school, she was just wearing plaid shirts, button to the top, (laughs) hunkered down, just Doc Martens. (laughs) The old plaid shirt. I mean, she wasn't wearing a tool tool belt, but she was kind of like she was. Definitely, was she listening to the Indigo Girls? <laughs> she was downplaying her looks in such a way that she, that made me feel she didn't want to be too girly or too sexualized. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was I was okay with that as a dad. I don't want to like yeah. wearing booty shorts and stuff. Um, and I just started suspecting there was a possibility. So what I told her, I said, you know, just I go if you're, I go if you're you know it's totally like i love you i don't care yeah 
whatever makes you happy doesn't matter to me. My parents like, gave me the speech too. Like, if you're gay, it's okay. It's a, seriously okay. I'm not gay, mom. Yeah. So yeah. so so she did a little bit of that, and then I saw a picture of her in her Instagram with another girl, and uh-huh. just the body language in the picture. They okay. weren't kissing or holding, but they, it was just. I was just like, ah. So I called her when I saw the picture. I go, Olivia, listen, I saw your picture on, on Instagram. I know that's your girlfriend. She goes, okay, yeah, it is. And I go, okay, I go, you could have told me. Yourself. You could have told me. So I, I said, um, I said it's okay. I, I, you know, I, I love you. I, I don't, I don't care if you're a lesbian. She goes, Dad, I'm, ugh, I'm not a lesbian, Dad. Right. And me, my antiquated you, old man, boomer man, I go, well, what the what, what, what? She goes, I'm sexually fluid. I was like, first of all, don't ever say sexual and fluid to your dad again. <laughs> just that phrase, like, whatever, <laughs> please don't use the word sexual fluid. That's just like, ugh. So, um, uh, but since then, and so she had that girlfriend, and then we, then she got comfortable talking to me yeah. about her, her girlfriend, and the girlfriend was, sounds like kind of a bitch, and they had a breakup, and right. she was heartbroken for a while, and I talked to her about that. Yeah. But she still never said that she was a lesbian. She's still sexually fluid. And but then, that's, see, you're applying this whole notion of these two things. Exactly. Like, that's right. great. She's like, I don't know, I'm dating a girl now, leave me alone. Maybe I'll yeah, date a guy that's true. later. And then we were, and then I moved her in up into Berkeley, and to her new roommate's place. Mm-hmm. And her roommate was like, oh, hi, Nisbet, and shook my hand. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay, very nice to meet you. And then on the drive with my daughter, I go, clearly that's your girlfriend, because she just shook my fucking hand. So <laughs> it's okay. Why don't you just tell me this shit? It's fine. And she was like, yeah, okay, you're right. I'm moving to my girlfriend's place. I was like, that's great. That's fine. I was wow. like, what am, I go, what am I presenting to you that you don't feel comfortable enough yeah, to tell really? me? And I don't know if it's that. I think... You know, she has listened to stand, and she has friends of hers or people that she knows, particularly guys who like like my stand up. Right? Hey, your dad said, and like I, I look back at some of my stand up. I go, I, I don't look back and go, I'm embarrassed by it. Right. But some of it now, I look back and go, it's pretty flat footed, and I probably have to re-engineer the material so it's a little bit least, a little more clever, and not just sort of like. I'm going for a laugh here. You know what but I mean? But how hard is it to like, you know, come up with jokes that stand the test of time and still like are still funny 10 years later and shit. I know, It's like, I know. God, that's a lot to put on somebody. Yeah, I think now there is sort of as a stand-up, and I'm okay with it. I think there's also a sort of social awareness and pressure to at least create something that really holds true to your basic tenets and the tenant can't just be I'm going for the laugh right because if you're just going for the laugh then I don't think there's a lot of integrity in that anymore because I look back and I would just go for like the most shocking things I could I could say because that was what was funny and at the end of the day a laugh is a shock it's a it's a shock of logic or shock of of something so um and I was actually called a shock comic. I was like, "Wow, am I am I am I really a shock comic?" So now I'm trying to like, trying to focus on okay, what I I want to make my daughter proud. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Doesn't now mean you're I, have to, to I can't be John Mulaney, who she loves. You know what I mean? I'm talking an old timey voice, but like, I have to sort of be more aware that again, reverse engineer a world where we're living in Mars. Like, what twenty years from now, I want to be proud of what I'm talking about. Well, right. So that's that's the thing about like when I said that it's like, can you be funny 10 years into the future? 
I mean, when I did the book, it was like, it was like, okay, well, are these ideas that will stick? Hopefully they'll, they will last the test of time because it, you give them to your kids and hopefully it helps them make them better, better people. So yes, if the comedy is like George Carlin, you don't watch old George Carlin bits and go, oh boy, you know, it's oh usually, boy. it's usually like, yeah, wow, that was pretty ahead of its time. So yeah. that's always a good thing. It's exciting to be able to do that. And, you know, I think we were talking on the 4th of July about like a bit that would just be shocking and crazy and Dadaist, you know, and that's, I, I, Char- Charlie and I just got into Tim Robinson and just like, you know, both of us were cracking up. Just oh, how, I think you should leave? Yeah. Oh, genius. It's amazing. But it's really, it's like, I mean, the Dada and surrealism movement was a was a reaction to the insanity of World War One, and I think now as we go through COVID, maybe maybe being insane, maybe that Tim and Eric and 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 uh, Eric Andre and and um, Tim Robinson, it's like it's a kind of a evolution of like, oh, we like the insanity. Yeah, I think that maybe John Mulaney is kind of like a a warm bath. Yeah. Of comedy. And this is more like just, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's chaos and Dada. Yeah. And it's also his comedy. And I'm mildly obsessed with Tim Robinson too. You what? You love I'm, I love him. He's great. Uh, the whole, we were just, we were crying about the whole, the breeding horses. So they had smaller <laughs> penises. So they didn't embarrass you. Yeah. When you wrote on them. <laughs> and, and his stuff is all about, and this is something that I think, I don't know if you talk to your kids about this. Or if it's in your book, the, the idea of it's okay to be vulnerable as a man and actually talking about vulnerable and living in a vulner, vulnerable place as a comic and as a performer is actually the best place to be. And his vulnerability is that every every sketch is almost the same thing. Like he's trying to do something he's and, just, and yeah. he, he, he's so worried about being embarrassed <laughs> That he'll do anything in his power not to be embarrassed, whether it's like opening the door the wrong way at the coffee shop. Oh, so good, yeah. Or, or like, you know, throwing the guy into the, the glass thing at the, at the party. Like, he just can't <laughs> be. So, I'm, all I'm comes from a point of, of just fear about, I can't fucking be embarrassed. Like, that's his yeah. sort of. Yeah. And I think that's a good place for me as a comic. Because people yeah. say, well, it's so hard for comics now. You can't talk. You can talk about anything. You yeah, can you still. Can. You just have to be a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. And you have to come from a place of a little bit more, um, less bravado, a little bit more vulnerability, a little bit more self-deprecation, and you can still say whatever the fuck it is you want to yeah. say, as long as it's clever. But I think, I th- yes, exactly. And I think that like the craziness is, is really a fun development. Yeah. I think that the, there, I mean, I don't, I like John Mulaney, but I, but I, but I, I don't connect with him as well because I don't, I doesn't. It's not, there's not that insane. Actually, he does some pretty odd stuff. Yeah, he does for sure. Yeah, that's true. But like, I don't know. I like stuff where it's like, 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 I mean, I had such a good time with Heckler that like, I just, I want to do, I want to do another thing where it's just like following comedians or following people and putting them in awkward positions and trying to get, trying to just deal with the awkwardness of life and, and the uncertainty, you know? And I think that the moment that a comedian gets up there and goes, this is my point of view and it'll never change and it's right. 
Yeah. That's death. I think the idea of com- comedy is best when it's like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. And it, it just, it gets so confusing that it's like just crazy. Yeah, like, yet- what do you, like, if, <laughs> going back to the horse bit, it really is like, I'm a bit uncomfortable seeing a giant dick on a horse. <laughs> so we got to do something about that. We got to breed <laughs> them so they have smaller dicks. Like, that's crazy. That's great. Yeah. You know, and he's the only person who would have come up with that idea. I think so, but, but then everyone can also relate to it. In a, in yeah, but if you way. look at the Eric Andre special, it's it's really he really nailed it. Like it was like it was it was his kind of insane humor, but then also like it was in the realm of it was in the format of stand up. It works. I yeah. think. Did you like it? I haven't seen it. Oh, you should. I love Eric Andre. He's a fucking awesome dude. Yeah, he's fearless. Like, friends of mine worked with him and just said, yeah, because I worked a lot in prank stuff because I did Impractical Jokers and Hell Date and a bunch of prank stuff. And it was like, uh, we would try to fuck with people. It was always fun to wind people up. Yeah. We did a show called Reality Hell. It was just, you'd wind everybody up. And just it was fun yeah and watching people get and tom green i learned from him too and he was just like he loves to wind people up yeah and it's just it's it the point is that we take life too seriously life is absurd and we it just it's absurd we just have to like get used to it yeah it's gonna be interesting what happens with stand-up once the lockdown is over and live shows start because the world has seismically shifted it's been a tectonic change yeah and and the human consciousness just in the past few months so if 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 comics who were very successful before covid are going to come out and people are going to be like mm, that's not yeah. really what i want to see well the question i have for you is uh and this is i think fascinating about comedy i still see comedy as being magical and like you you know you'll do a bit and i'll start laughing and i'll just go it's an involuntary thing it's like it's amazing that you're making and I want to fuck with the process, but like the idea that you have that magic, it's, it's crazy and magical to me, right? And, and yet, that magic erodes when you know something awful about the person. Like, if, uh. it, like 20 years ago, if you and I said, oh, you know what, so let's smoke a joint and listen to a Bill Cosby record, we probably would be like, this is hilarious. Yeah. Now, put a Bill Cosby record on right now, and I bet you just- Can't laugh. It won't, we won't be able to laugh. It's not funny. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the top of the LA game, Chris Salia was at the top and, you know, he Not got, as funny now, I bet. Uh, it's scary. It's going to be really interesting. But th- th- at the same time- I hope he does. I hope he finds I, I a way. I think he'll find a way. He's, he, he's a brilliant enough comic. They'll find yeah. a way. But I think that, like, there's also a group of people who, who want the, hey, man, this is what I fucking feel. And they respond yeah. to that. And they will- there will always be that audience too that will gravitate to the people who are monolithically sure, like uh, Andrew Schultz, who are just like, this is what I think this is all fucking, you know, and people will, will gravitate to that. And then if that's the lane you want to be in. So as a comic, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know that I feel more of an obligation having a daughter Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting older, more obligation to be someone I don't want to look back and go, because I hate the fact that I look back at somebody stand up. I go, Ugh. so like, what? You just look forward, like just do, do whatever you think would be that you'd be really proud of. I mean, you just all you did. It's not about your daughter, right? It's about the notion of it's the concept of your daughter. So you're going, you know what? I like, I don't. I have a daughter who is sort of sexually fluid and. 
you know, and I now I understand sexual fluidity, and I, it's not as funny to make fun of it, maybe. Yeah. So it's <laughs> isn't it just sort of like you just got a little bit of an education? Yeah, exactly. And and I Which like I said, got. every time I talk, to, I, I always learn something new about like oh. This is why I'm a piece of shit. Got it. Okay. Well, you're getting <laughs> growth, man. You're changing. You're evolving. That's But great. I did say this, and I, I know this sounds a little bit weird, but if my daughter, like, I'll hang out with my daughter, like, yeah. we go to dinner. And if it was a Tinder date, I would be like, check, please, bye. Because really? her point of view is so oh. entrenched and so left and so far left and so intractable. And that, that's that hard. If it's a person that I would was a peer or someone would say i'd be like Ugh, you're the pits but um but for her like i think i said one time i said transsexual and she just ah jesus dad it's transgender what the fuck like i can't believe wow, and I, she's and strict I, and i misgendered <laughs> I, I i i misgendered a friend of of hers who is uh you know was born female and transitioning to, has transitioned to identify as a male. Yeah. I don't think there's been a surgery, but as now, uh, are they, right? Okay. And I was like, so how's, how's, how's she doing? How's, and she goes, she's, don't say she, dad, say they. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, and look, at the same time, yeah, again, it. if it was a Tinder date, I'd be like, bye-bye. Yeah. But it's like, my daughter, okay, so I'm like, really. okay, I got it. And, I, and I'm trying to be better. And I definitely, I definitely do, don't think that I want to go on stage and piss people off as much or as, or or more, but I also still have to be authentic to, to expressing a point of view, which is that shit is absurd. Uh, yeah, I mean, can't she cut you a little slack? <laughs> like you know, like you just learned well, this stuff. Well, again, like back to you've had conversations with your like the lesson I'm trying to teach my daughter is that like people are born into the world and they are taught certain things. Mm-hmm. Some some things are they're genetically inclined to or whatever the situation is so if someone is racist Mm -hmm. or sexist or whatever it is like it isn't necessarily their fault a lot of times so all you could do is try to teach them a different way of thinking or a different way of looking at the world again it goes back to if your daughter was around in 1790 she wouldn't be she would be a different person she would be wrong her ideas would be wrong right yes. and now we're, your daughter sits there at dinner and goes dad you, everything you believe is stupid everything I believe is exactly correct and yeah. in 200 years from now it'll be exactly perfect yes right like she like I hope she understands that 200 years from now she's gonna be considered a piece of shit I know well, like I she's gonna people are gonna say you actually believed that we should eat eat animals animals and things coming out of animals oh, why would you do that I do think that will be the next sort of version of too. slavery yeah 100 years now the way we treat animals how can you have a statue a fucking Obama. He ate steak. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, there'll be so many other options. But if you think about it, it's like, you know, you had to keep a cow pregnant all the time to get milk and it's terrible for the cow. And it's like, yeah, 
in 200 years from now, it's going to be like, why did we do that shit? Yeah, I, I mean, 200 years from now, we might go, why did you get a puppy? And you just, from birth, you're ripped away from its mom and Wait. put it in a cage in your Wait. house. Let me get this straight. I, <laughs> you found a woman, you proposed with a ring that cost $30,000. Who died in Africa a, for that ring? You went to a and, church. Yeah. The dad handed her off like she was some fucking property. She wore white, right. even though she wasn't a virgin. Then you had to say, till yeah. death do you part. Like, what the fuck is this crazy? Yeah, exactly. Practice. So everything your daughter believes now in 200 years will be like, oh my God. <laughs> and by the way, your daughter in 40 years is going to talk to like her kids and they'll be like, oh God, mom. Yeah, I know. You I believe th- that nonsense? <laughs> I think that's natural. I mean, you know, I think a lot of adults too. And I, and I kind of want my daughter to get to a point where at some point, maybe when she has kids of her own. Right. Where she goes, dad, I get it. <laughs> like, but does she understand that it. now? Like it's not it, now. No, come on. It's been like this way for a time memoriam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she still is like, you know, <laughs> I'm a hundred and ten percent right. Of course. If you just, I think everybody just needs to get off the certainty train. Let's yeah. just get off. You know. I think Twitter should be canceled. That's my platform. Get well, rid. Of, get well, rid of Twitter, and the world's fine. Really? You get like, rid of Twitter. There's no no more Trump. <laughs> you get rid of Twitter. There's no more people canceling everybody. Twitter is really like the big. It's the biggest cesspool. And I can't. I I deactivate my Twitter like once a week. I think it's not Twitter. It's just we're just all pieces of shit, and we have to embrace that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's like I mean one thing I think is fascinating about Trump is that it was that we did have a system in place. To make sure that didn't happen. And we, it somehow got fucked up. Yeah. Like the Electoral College was all there just because people are going to vote for, you know, Rihanna or whatever. And it's like, we, somebody has to go, we can't have Rihanna be president, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But it's like, it was all built up to work. Yes. And it just somehow it got fucked up. And I think it's the partisan, whatever. But it's still like we have, we just got to adjust the systems. Yeah, but it's not the it's not the platform. I don't think. Yeah, I know you're right. But Twitter and Facebook, it's like you can't blame Mark. Z- I, I, it's fascinating how Mark Zuckerberg is always like, I don't know, just just let people talk, you know. <laughs> and people are like, no, no, you're a fucking Republican. Yeah, and I I don't know the intricacies of it. Uh, uh, he might be a piece of shit too, but I'm just saying like it is funny how he his dream was just like let him let people just say what they do what is and people are like no the lies have to be off of twi- of uh, facebook it's like what's a lie what's not I know, the truth it's crazy you know yeah and again i think it goes back to the idea of if we really embrace true buddhism <laughs> right there, which not, nothing is personal and that language is not the same thing as violence Exactly, then, and we all and and everybody has a separate truth. Like there is not, there's you should not seek truth. There is no universal truth, and yeah. that's the thing. Because, like I said, it evolves. Yeah, two hundred years ago from now, the the truth will be far different than it is. Absolutely, today. hopefully, we'll be on a different planet. So I want to. Um, what, what do you? So you're working on uh, before you go. So you're working on. A number of things, right? It's kind of one. I just on. uh, got a lot of projects that I'm I'm workshopping right now, just in order to like when we all are just okay, everybody back to work. Yeah, we'll be able to do. It. I mean, I am trying to do audio content because audio content you can do now. Yeah, but so I've got like three different things for that, and then uh, for shows, it's like got like a 
literally 15 pitches that that are going out so oh, hopefully wow. i'll have like some cool stuff to watch yeah very cool yeah and um so I'll and the, of course the book is available on amazon.com and what's it called again uh, uh, uh who's your daddy bedtime stories i tell my kids but maybe shouldn't and if you just look under my name i'm the I'm not the author who writes about depression. There's a Michael Addis who's just like a psychologist. All he talks about is depression. I'm not that guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll check it out. Is there, um, I'll talk to my daughter probably in the next couple of days. Yeah. If there's one lesson that you could say that you'd want impart, impart to like teenage kids or something like today that you'd say like the most important thing that you think that you could call from this book that you would say what you would most, if, you, if your kids were left with one thing, what would it be? Just try a lot of shit, you know, like constantly be learning, constantly be trying things. Kids sometimes will say they get, I think people your daughter's age and my son's age, they're starting to get, they'll get stuck or they'll yeah. go, I don't know what I want to do or I don't know. We'll try a bunch of things. Yeah. You're never going to be bothered. It's never going to be a problem gaining new skills and, and hovering around a lot of things that will eventually circle you to what you really love. Yeah. You know, I mean, you do stand up, but you also do theater. What if you're just being like, I'm not going to do theater. That's, yeah, I'm going to do stand up. Like you, like keep stretching the, the different skills. And, and you can do that until it. you die. Yes, exactly. That's the idea. Cause I think the older yeah, people exactly. get, and this is true with the relationships too. Mm-hmm. The older you get when you're dating, more people that you date, you're like, oh, they're set this way. Set is the worst. Harder, it's harder to date when you get older because people are more sort of set in their ways. If you get set in your ways, yeah. I'm not set in my ways. I still date, so yeah. I, I'm not having a problem. Because although when I meet people who are set, it's it's terribly boring. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> anyway, well, listen, man. Uh, Thank you. I'm so glad you came. This is such a. F- this oh, we is could talk super for hours. Fun. We could we could talk about uh, any number of things. But I'm yeah, I, I really it. look forward to seeing what you're up to next, man. And, cool. and see your next projects. And I will. Uh, I will get your book on Amazon. You have my word on that. No, you won't. I'm gonna. I have a copy in the car. Oh hell yeah, man! Even better for free. (laughs) I love it. All right, uh, that's Michael Addis, and we are signing off from the Afterlife. Bye bye.